You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Love me some Pedro, man. Good to see you guys, those of you worshiping online, as well as those of you that are here in the Cameo Theater. And I wanted to ask you a question today. Um, Have the circumstances of life, or perhaps the voices around you, ever robbed you of your peace, your joy, and your ability to be a creative artist? Because some of you, when you were children, you thought, yeah, I'm this fun artist. But then real-world experiences beat the artistry out of you and the creative fun. Well, today we're going to look into the scriptures and see what it says about God's creativity and how he can create in us and through us. If you'll hang with me through the whole of the teaching, I believe God's spirit wants to pour some creative fun back into us today. Now, as I was thinking about creative fun and the creative twinkle in the eye, I couldn't think about, I couldn't help but think about this woman that I met many, many years ago when I was in college. Actually, it wasn't that long ago, but when I was in college, I would go with this group of guys that were my age, college student guys, and we would go to these nursing homes and minister there. And we went into this little nursing home and this little old lady comes up to us and she would like sing this old country song to us. She would sing this old Hank Williams song. She'd come up to one of the young men in our group and she'd say, hey, good looking. What you got a cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? You know, it's kind of funny, you know, when she would do that. And then one of the nursing home employees took the cue and he took a vinyl record of that old Hank Williams album and put it on a record player, and he started playing it, and that little old lady walked around to each one of the guys in our group, and she'd reach out her hand, say, hey, good looking, what you got cooking? And she'd pull us out on the dance floor and make us dance with her. And that day, doing nursing home ministry honestly can be kind of hard, but it was such a fun time, and all the guys lit up. Why? Because one little old lady kept the creative twinkle in her eye. She was still an artist a dancer, even near the end of her life. But that isn't always the case with people, is it? But today, I want to give you permission to keep that twinkle in your eye and get it back in your eye if you've lost it. And we're going to see that twinkle, which I believe is described by a Latin term, the Imago Dei. We're going to see it in Genesis. So if you would stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. This is Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where the scriptures say, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, or the Imago Dei, in the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And so the Imago Dei just simply means image of God within us, right? When he created us. And so the one facet of the Imago Dei I want us to drill down on today is simply this. The Imago Dei is creative 
play. So before you sit down, I want you to tell it to your neighbor, but before you tell your neighbor, here are the, here are the rules for this. You got to smile real big like you got the twinkle in your eye. You know what I'm saying? Or it doesn't work. So some of you come to church and it's like dreary day. You look like you've been marinating in pickle juice, right? Man, come on, put on your smile and tell them the Imago day is creative play. And then you can sit down. You did that well. I feel better already after you guys said that. And, you know, um, the Imago Day is what makes us humans unique. It describes the connection that we have with God, that we can make moral and spiritual choices, and we can also be creative as our Father is a creator. Now, we can't make stuff from nothing like God can, but we can take the materials that God has given us and be creative artists with it. And so therapists will tell you that in order to stay sane, it's helpful to have a hobby, if at all possible. And oftentimes, it's good to have a creative type of hobby. And I've had several hobbies over the years because my job can be a little bit stressful sometimes. And so uh, my therapist, you know, tells me I should have a hobby. So I've, I've got a hobby right now of fish keeping. Like I have these aquariums. Anybody ever had an aquarium? Maybe if you had a goldfish or a beta or something like that. Well, uh, I've got these aquariums in my house and I love it. It's life-giving for me because I can create like a little ecosystem. See, now we, a lot of us have pets. Don't we? How many of you have a pet? A dog, a cat, a chihuahua? Chihuahuas are a different category, aren't they? Um, a middle school boy, maybe? Okay, so it's just like, so uh, anyways, our pets are special to us, aren't they? Why do we like pets? Why do I keep fish? Why do we keep dogs and cats and all this kind of stuff? You know why? Because we're all trying to return to the garden where we were initially given the Imago Dei, um, the image of God. We all intuitively know, even though the world is broken, we know that we want to return to that garden where we were first given the Imago Dei. Now, I like my fish and I like my pets and all that kind of stuff because they're beautiful creations of God and I want to care for them because, you know, remember Genesis said that we were given dominion over all the animals of the earth, right? But we're different than them. Our pets are different. You know, like I heard this comedian talking about fish. You know, I keep some fish, so I'll talk about fish. And he, the comedian was talking about Aquaman, you know, the superhero Aquaman, how he can like talk to the fish, okay? And this comedian was talking about how that conversation would go. And so Aquaman comes up to the fish. And he says, hi, Mr. Fish. And the fish says, hi, Aquaman. And then uh, Aquaman says, what's your name, Mr. Fish? And the fish says, hi, Aquaman. I mean, there's not, not, not a lot going on in the mind of a fish, okay? You know what I'm saying? They're not like us. They can't make like moral choices. They just make instinctual choices, don't they? But we can make moral choices and we can be creative as artists. Um, we can keep the twinkle in our eye like the little old lady at the nursing home. Now, one of the things that I'm experiencing in my life is that the older I get, I can tend to get a little more cynical. Anybody besides me? Okay. And when I say cynical, I'm not talking about thinking through things and asking questions, you know, as we should. We should question things, you know, and that's okay, right? But I find a lot of the cynicism sometimes in my heart and that I see in our culture crosses a line where it's not productive. It's just cynical for the sake of being cynical and not believing in anything, not believing that anything can be good, not believing that the world can be better. 
And uh, I've noticed that, you know, even politicians now are using like the word creative. And so people are even cynical about the word creative because politicians talk about harnessing the creativity of the American people and all this kind of stuff. Well, I believe that we should be cynical about our cynicism. And I believe that the unhealthy cynicism in our culture is leading a lot of people to never experiencing love, never experiencing relationships, never having the ability to believe in anything or place faith in anything. And that keeps people from being able to encounter God, doesn't it? And so how does the Bible teach us to uh, interact with cynicism? Well, I'm going to show you in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 4. Maybe this, by this time, the, the disciples had become a little more cynical. It says, about this time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Isn't it funny how people are and how the disciples were? They're like, okay, Jesus, which one of us 12 is the greatest? You know, it's kind of like everybody wants to know who the goat is and all that, you know, the greatest of all times, you know, is it LeBron? Is it Michael Jordan? You know, of course it's Jordan, right? But anyways, um, in this passage, it says, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called, he's, he's like, not one of them. He said, he called a little child to him and put the child among them. And then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like a little children. You will never get into the kingdom of heaven, first of all. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, just to get into the kingdom, you have to be like a child. And then to be great in the kingdom, it's about being childlike, you know? And some of us have lost that. You know, my therapist calls it the inner child, uh, the ability to create, you know, how many children cynics do you know? Not too many, do you? Because children have the ability to believe. Children have faith. All children are artists, aren't they? A lot of children are artists. And I read this book, and I want to show it to you. Um, it's called Say Yes to Your Potential and look at the stats in the survey they did for this book. Okay, it shows that 2% of men and women who were in their 40s were highly creative. It means 98% don't feel like they're highly creative or not artists. And then that 2% number stays the same all the way down to 30 years old. And then you have to get all the way down to 7 years old and only 10% of seven-year-olds are highly creative. And then look at the last stat there. 90% of five-year-olds were highly creative. What happens between five years old and seven years old? It's like the creativity is being stomped out of children. It's like they start going to school and experiencing more of the world and the creativity just gets beat out of them. That's why Pablo Picasso said, Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once he grows up. See? And what I want to give you permission to do today is become an artist again. Maybe you don't paint. Maybe you don't draw. But there's some way that God wants to recreate through you and through your life. And today, I'm going to submit to you four ways of the Imago Day where you can retain that twinkle in your eye. But the first one is this, be creative, be an artist at work. Now think about the job that you have right now, just for a minute, and ask the question, how can I be creative at my current job? Because you know, you don't want to just have someone cut your hair, right? You want a hairstylist. You want an artist to 
cut your hair. And if you're in sales, there are different ways that you can be creative, the way you structure deals. Or if you're in construction, you can be creative by uh, the way that you build things. Um, now, you don't want to do like creative accounting, if you know what I mean, but um, you can make your spreadsheets look better. I don't know, but you can be creative in every endeavor that you put your hands to do. But you got to understand that creativity is hard work. And this is a big misconception about people who are creative and artistic. They think that it's just, you know, play all the time and there's no hard work involved in it. I read this New York Times article by a guy who uh, owns a creative firm and he takes you back through history and shows you that the greatest artists in all of history were hard workers. Everyone from Michelangelo to Andy Warhol, if they accomplished anything in the art world, they were willing to manage staffs and people, create schedules, and work very, very hard. And here's a quote from that article. It says, poor economic outcomes usually reflect the artist's own lack of self-esteem rather than the market's need for the arts. Starving artist is simply an excuse for lazy, self-absorbed artist. Look at this last sentence. He says, get over yourself, get to work, stop whining, do what you love, and change the world. Isn't that great? You know, a lot of people think being an artist means you're just going to sit around and smoke weed and eat Cheetos while you got the munchies and wear sweatpants, okay? No, if you want to create anything of significance, you're going to have to work at it, you see? And one of the things for those of you that are of younger generations, which we have many of you represented here in our church, is that to distinguish yourself from others, to have a job in the future, you're going to have to learn to be creative. Creativity prepares you for the future job market. And we all know that because of the rise of artificial intelligence. I saw this uh, article, and I'll show you. It's from the Scientific American, Ken AI create true art. And, and here's the thing that we all know is that right now there are self-driving cars, Google cars on the road in San Francisco. So people who just do tasks like driving, you, your job might get automated in the future through artificial intelligence if you just do a task. But if you learn creativity, it can help. And that's even in question by some people because, um, you know, AI artwork is winning art shows these days, stuff that's created by, you know, artificially um, create, you know, computer generated artwork is actually winning things and selling at auction. But look at what the article says. Uh, here's a quote from the article. Says, they admit the creative spark behind creating a work of art is still very much human. It's clear that even in the creative field, sophisticated technologies can be used to enhance our capabilities, but crucially, they still require human intelligence to define the overarching rules and steer the way. So basically what they're saying is, is that at the end of the day, the imago day in humans, the ability to create was used in creating the computer programs and algorithms that AI uses to create artwork. Who created the AR, AI? We did. Like, who created the AR, Freudian slip? You know, you know, so, um, anyways, um, ChatGPT, OpenAI, could become the new Google. And I think it's a powerful tool that we should leverage, right? 
in our jobs and our ability to create. Obviously, we want to be careful we don't end up like a reality in the Terminator or something like that, you know, but uh, artificial intelligence is here, and if we can be creative in using it, then I believe that we'll have an advantage in the future. But look at number two. We want to remove the childlike creative killers. So what stands in the way of your childlike artist and creating things? There are a lot of blockages. I, um, I want to show you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse Four, because it talks about one of the blockages in our negative thoughts. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not flesh and blood, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every what? Thought. Every thought captive to obey Christ. And you and I have these negative thoughts, some of them in our own minds and some of them from our spiritual enemy, the devil and demons and stuff that want to put negativity into our minds to block us from being recreated and to block us from allowing God to create a better world in and through us. I read this book called The Artist's Way, Julia Cameron, and she urges readers to name your inner negative self-talk. So can I give you an example of this? You know, I'm giving a sermon, you know, and I'll see someone in the audience that's fallen asleep. And I think to myself, you know, at first I think, oh, the, you know, that, that, that lady probably just needs a nap or something like that. But um, then my inner, what I'm going to call insecure Ivan, starts speaking in my head. And it's like, oh, that person's fallen asleep during my sermon. That means my sermon sucks. That means that everybody hates me. I mean, they hate my sermons. They hate me. You see how your mind goes? And so name those things inside of you that are blocking your creative artist. And so maybe for some of you that the idea comes into your head, well, you're not creative. You're just not. You're a functional guy. That blocks you. No, you are an artist. I don't care what you do for a living. You can be creative in some way. Perhaps another thought is, I'm too old to create anything new. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, you can. You can keep that twinkle in your eye. I watched it in, uh, you know, a nursing home lady. Maybe for some of you, you think, I'm too young to do anything. Nobody listens to me. I'm too young. Yes, you can. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like children. And so you actually have an advantage the younger you are because you can have childlike faith. Here's another one that keeps a lot of people from creating is that, well, whatever I create has to be perfect. Perfectionism. And that'll block you. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yes, you just have to start. See? Um, so according to Julia Cameron, um, these creative killers hold you back. But I want to show you the path to get the twinkle back in your eye. And that's in number three. And I think this is going to help somebody today. Dare to dream again. Some of you have had the dreams stomped out of you. And I want to ask you to consider dreaming again. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, early on in Acts, it says, the young will see visions and the old will dream dreams. And God, by his spirit, is going to deposit a dream into your head and into your heart today. And... Uh, I know that all this talk of dreaming and creativity sounds nice. And some of you are like me. You're very practical and you're saying, what do I do? Okay, Doug, it's all nice to talk about creativity and, you know, love and kumbaya and, you know, beautiful things. But what do I do about what we're talking about today? Well, here's how you know what to do in this question. Look at the question on screen. If I could paint a picture of a better future, what does that look like? 
Okay, paint is a metaphor. Not everybody's a painter, right? But if you could take the skills that you have right now and make the world a better, more beautiful, healthier place, what would you do? Well, your dreams are the material from which you create. Did you catch that? I learned that from uh, author Erwin McManus, and he says, your dreams are the material for, that you use to create. So, for example, this room that we're in right now, we gutted this place out, man. It was nothing. But someone had a dream of what the room would look like, how it would be decorated, the color of the chairs, everything. Someone had a dream to create everything we use, right? Like anybody besides me ride bicycles? Well, someone, I, I ride bikes. Someone had a dream about how that bicycle would be, uh, you know, designed and put together. The phones that you use to interrupt my sermons, they were dreamed by someone, you know, and someone created that phone, right? Um, there are all kinds of things that people have dreamed. And so I want to give you permission to dream again. And some of those dreams are personal, like this. Some of you have been beat down in relationships and I want you to dream about allowing yourself to love again, to be in a relationship again. Some of you have struggled with an addiction and you're fighting hard. Dream about the day when you're completely free from that addiction that keeps bringing guilt and shame into your life. Now, some of your dreams are vocational. So, for example, um, I, I know a couple that they hated how the food industry is. You know, all the chemicals that they pump into our food and all the hormones and GMO altered, you know, foods that we eat are so bad for us, right? And you know what? Their, their dream was to do ethical organic farming, and that's what they're doing now. And they're making a killing doing that because people want better quality food. Uh, I know other people that dreamed about better education, like they'd been in the educational field, you know, they'd worked as teachers and administrators, stuff like that, and they dreamed about ways where they could get in the system and make it even better. I know other people that have dreamed about creating alternative forms of education. I know some people that have found insurance to be a problem, right? It's like insurance companies are ripping people off. And so from that, someone created MediShare. Another uh, group created what's called Samaritan's Ministries, which is a, an insurance alternative that helps people to pay for their medical bills. And so I want you to think about what dream of a better world that comes to your mind. And that could be the way that God wants to recreate part of the world through you. For some of you, it's right there in your own home. Dream about what your family could be like in the future. And God will recreate in and through you. See, now you can't talk about dreams without talking about Dr. Martin Luther King. And we all know what he said, right? His slogan that everybody knows is what? I have a dream. He didn't say I have a goal, did he? Now, there's nothing wrong with goals. Goals are good because goals give us focus. But dreams give us power. You follow me? And I want to pray power on you today that you would have a new dream that would bring the twinkle back to your eye, that you would enjoy living again and experience joy. And the reason that Christ followers of all people in the world should dream again and begin to be creators and artists is because of number four, 
that the gospel is all about new creation, isn't it? So we started our conversation today by reading words from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. But you can't read about Genesis without reading uh, and, and talking about John, the gospel of John, because you may not have known this, but Genesis is actually paralleled by John. John uses themes from Genesis all throughout his book. I'm going to show you a chart that gives you a feel for this. I'll just give you three examples of this. On day zero, both Genesis and John say God created. On day one, he brought light. On day two, he talked about the waters. In Genesis, he, he uh, separated the waters. And then in John, he talked about the waters of baptism. And we could go on and on and on looking at the parallels between Genesis and John. But I want to fast forward to the end of John when Jesus dies on the cross and then he rises again from the dead. And I'm going to show you a quote from a spooky smart theologian named N.T. Wright. And here's what he says. John's narrative is nearly complete at that point. Still following through the themes of creation and new creation, Jesus goes to his death with the word tetelestai, it is finished. And he's echoing Genesis 2, 1. Six days work is done, and on the seventh day, God rests. But this time, in the darkness of the tomb, before the new creation, which is John emphasized, happens on the first day of the week. See, when Jesus resurrected, it was the new kingdom reality. He was the first fruit of many who will rise again from the dead. And when you're born again, you start to recreate the world and change it. Here's how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is a popular verse. A lot of people memorize it in case you've never heard it before. But it's therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the what? New creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And here's why I'm bringing this up. Check this out. Tune in. No matter what you've done wrong in your past, no matter how insignificant you feel, no matter how broken you feel on the inside, in your heart, emotions from trauma or whatever, God has the power to recreate you and to create a better world through you. I know he does. And look, I'm going to say it again because some of you didn't believe me. No matter what you've done wrong in the past, no matter how broken you feel from your own sin, no matter how broken you feel from your physical or emotional limitations, God, by the power of Jesus Christ, has the power to make you a new creation and to create through you. And look, some of you still don't believe me. And that's why I have to tell a story because it makes me so mad. You never remember my points. You only remember the stories that I tell. And I read this story some years ago and it was about this couple. Uh, couple was, was an interesting couple. They went on a trip to Romania. And uh, while they were there, their names were Mike and Sharon, couple from Connecticut. And they went to a Romanian orphanage. And I was already tracking with the story because I've been to Romania in those orphanages. And it's sometimes horrible places. And they met this little baby named George in the orphanage. And I found a picture of George 
and I brought it. And you can notice in the picture that this little baby was born with no arms. And so can you imagine now what, what we know about Romania is that if you're born with a physical defect or, you know, in human terms, you're considered to be cursed by God in Romania. So this little baby with no arms was basically rotting away. No one wanted to touch it, him, because that baby was cursed by God. But this couple, Mike and Sharon, they, through a long series of circumstances, they had a dream of adopting George. And they adopted this little baby with no arms and brought him back to the United States. And then you know what they did? By the time he got eight years old, they got George, little George, a music lesson. They were going to uh, let a music teacher teach him to play the cello. And if you're like me, you're thinking, how's the kid with no arms going to play the cello? This woman in their church taught George to play the cello with his feet. Well, then he started getting into his teen years, and he learned to play the guitar. Now, I read about George's story some years ago, but recently I was thinking about it, and so I did a little Google search on George, and I found all these videos like on the news about his story, and I brought one of those news stories to give you a better feel for George's story and what he went through. Take a look. When you watch George Dennehy play his guitar, it is effortless. But also a surprise. Look closer. The guitar is being played with his feet. Uh, I was born in Romania, and I was born without arms. Getting to this point was a struggle. Rejected by his village in Romania at birth and his family, sacrificing their love in hopes he would have a better life. There's a superstition that when a baby's not born perfect or um, like completely healthy, that they're believed to be cursed by God. After a year and a half neglected in an orphanage, he was adopted. Life got better, and at eight years old, everything changed. My mom signed me up for music lessons, um, and I started playing the cello, and then when I got to be in middle school and high school, I started picking up the guitar and the bass guitar. After years of feeling sorry for himself, he had a different perspective. Every life has a purpose, and uh, God created everyone for a reason. Now, music is what keeps his head up. Music's the only thing I really think I'm okay at. Um, I'm not really good at anything else. Um, so that's just what I do. Acoustic and emotional. Music that speaks to people. George is traveling the world, sharing his story and perspective that changed his life. I like to, I like to go around and tell people that anything's possible. And um, I, don't, I don't ever want to hear the words, I can't or um, this, is, this is too hard um, because, you know, anything's possible. That's pretty awesome, huh? It's like, check this out. You know how he got discovered? Is that George, when he was a teenager, he was playing his guitar, and someone videotaped him at this festival playing a guitar, and the video got uploaded to YouTube, and his favorite band, the Goo Goo Dolls, found out about him, and the Goo Goo Dolls had George open up for them at, his con at, at their concert. Isn't that cool? That, like he lived a dream in that way. And now George is traveling all over the world, sharing his story um, that he's got the Imago Dei and he can be a creative artist. 
And I want you to think for just a minute because his parents are a picture of God. They had a dream of a better world for George and his artists. They adopted this little boy um, and they had the wherewithal to tell him, George, I don't care if you don't have any arms. We have a powerful God. And George, you can be an artist. And now he is. What if they wouldn't have followed their dream? You know, what would his life be like right now today? And I believe that's what God is depositing into some of you today is the reality and the awareness that all of us have some limitation, something in our lives, don't we? And the gospel gives us a dream for something better. And it gives us the love of God and the grace of God that allows our lives to change, to be recreated. Can I show you how powerful Jesus is that his kingdom in heaven, as you read about in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, like the walls are made of beautiful stuff, like these beautiful jewels and the streets are gold. Okay. That, you know, here gold is a big thing there. It's just what they use to make streets. It's a place of beauty. And when Jesus was dying on the cross for my sin and for yours, even in a gory, horrible, awful form of execution, Jesus brought a dream of a beautiful place. He brought a dream and a vision of something better when he said the thief next to him, today you'll be with me in what? Paradise. See? And today, people wear crosses around their necks as jewelry because Jesus has the power to make something that was ugly beautiful because of his love and he's adopting kids all the time. You know, I, he, he can't be stopped. He's always pouring out his love. He's always adopting new children and making new creations all the time. He, he loves doing that. He just kind of runs around the earth and recreates people, makes new creations all the time. And God brought you, some of you into this room today that he would be able to make you new through the power of the gospel. And you don't have to jump through any religious hoops to receive a love relationship with him. He just loves you. As a, he wants to just adopt you as his daughter, as his son today. And all you have to do is believe like a little child, right? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I want you to understand as we go to the Lord in prayer, there's no magic prayer to start a relationship with God, but just talk to him in your own heart. And in your own heart, if you've never known God, then you'd like to today. Just say something like this to God. God, I know I've sinned and screwed some stuff up. But God, right now in this moment, I choose to be like a little child to have faith. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead to give me new life and to recreate me. Welcome in to my life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You know, it's his love that gets poured out that changes us. It really is. And in a lot of our services, you know what? One of the things we do is we open up the front down here. If you'd like to, no pressure or anything, but if you'd like to come and kneel and pray and ask God for a new dream, because as I was saying that, I had this sense that someone during when we stand up here in a minute and, and start singing, someone, God is going to give you a new dream that you could love again. Someone else is going to have a dream of a business that God's going to deposit 
into your heart. Someone else is going to have a dream of a new level of freedom and wholeness and peace in your life. And perhaps you would want to come and kneel and pray and submit to him those things that are blocking you in your heart or your head and ask him to change you and recreate through you. Let's stand together and sing and worship him. Come and pray if you're so inclined. Jealous for me, he loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how rich your affections are for me. And oh, how he loves our soul. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves our soul.
you know, as he's pouring out his love right now on people in significant ways, man, I don't want to quench that. And I had what I believe is a word for someone that he's going to restore love to you the more you lean into his love. He's giving today dreams of not only new relationships, but new businesses and new career paths. He's pouring out dreams of restored relationships as well. But first, we soak in his love, right? Because what he's saying to some of you is, look, daughter, look, son. I don't judge people by like your success by the world's standards. He says, you just come to me. You've come to the cross already. You just come to me as an unconditionally loved daughter or son. That's what it is. He just, we don't have enough time or a great enough vocabulary to describe just how deeply and intimately he loves each of you. But here's what's going to get adjusted today. The reason that some of you have not seen the dream come is, a, is an issue of glory. Your dream, some of you, has been about your glory. And he says, no. You'll be more satisfied, daughter or son, if your dream is for my glory. And look, earlier we were singing that song, Yeshua. And I was going to ask if the band could transfer back to that somehow. I don't know how they do it. You know, when you're pastor, you get to make requests like this, right? And so, Ate, would you be able to kind of get us back into a Yeshua? And as we sing it, let it be in your life like a prophetic declaration that Jesus, which by the way, Yeshua is just Jesus' name. Yeshua is his name. Saying it culturally appropriately. Say, Yeshua, my dream is no longer about me, but my dream is about you, your beauty, and your glory. So let's lean into that just for a minute. Yes, you, yes, you, yes, you, yes, you. 
Yeshua, you're more beautiful than anyone or anything we can imagine. And we love you. And any dream that you put in our hearts today is about you and for you. Because at the end of the day, you are the greatest dream. Yeshua, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today. We bless you. We worship you. And most of all, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, before you sit down, turn to someone next to you and tell them he loves you. He really does. Well, then go ahead and take a seat. And as we wrap up today, just a couple of reminders for you. One is that this Friday night, our Art Fest is happening. Now, here in the theater, it's going to be a concert featuring our very own Gideon. Also, Claire, you saw Claire, uh, you know, singing up here last Sunday. Also, uh, Reed Deming's going to be here. He was the guy that was on the X Factor that I was telling you about a few weeks ago. He, he's like sang in front of Simon Cowell, you know, and all that. So uh, the, the concert is going to be in here. And then all the art vendors and art displays are going to be in the cafe next door and in the courtyard outside. And there'll be all kinds. Of, I think there'll probably be some food vendors around here as well. There'll be parking in the garage and on the surface lots as well this Friday night. So come on out to the Cameo for the Art Fest. And then as we talk about our stewardship today and why we tithe or why we give of our resources here, of course, if you're new to church, the services are gift to you and we're not like begging for your money or anything like that. But we talk about why we do it, the purpose in giving. And the purpose of it is that first, it's all about Jesus. But second, it's about people. It's about serving people. And did you know that this Easter two weeks ago, um, we couldn't have our Easter services over at Sunset Station, now called the SB, because of the XFL game at the Dome, and that created problems for that. So we decided to stay here at the Cameo and get a video venue right next door at the Spire. And did you know that this year at the Spire video venue and here in the Cameo, we served 300 more people for Easter this year than we did last year over at Sunset Station in the SB. Is that not awesome? Awesome. That's why we tithe and give. And more importantly, Easter Sunday, two weeks ago, we saw 50 people baptized. Right on? And that is the most number of people we've seen baptized in a single service since before the pandemic. And so God is on the move around here doing awesome stuff. And that's why we invest our resources in this to see people changed by the power of God to become new creations. So um, there are four ways to bring our tithes here at City Tribe Church. In case you're new, by mail, you mail it to the P.O. Box number, text to tithe, go to the giving stations located near the exits of the theater, or you can just get on our website, citytribe.church slash tithe and uh, take care of it that way electronically. So before you guys worship through your financial stewardship, Go ahead and stand back up, getting a little workout up and down a little bit here at church today. 
And if you would, I would love to speak a benediction over you that I hope would be encouraging for you as you guys take off today. Dear sisters and brothers, walk from here as beloved daughters and beloved sons who have been adopted. And no matter what you've gone through or your struggles, you can be an artist. And someday when you're old, if you end up in a nursing home, May you keep the twinkle in your eye to cook up something good for his kingdom. So go from here and create. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Bye now. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.